I'm Richard Reed with 73 Farms in Carthage, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're seeing some rain and warm weather all across the Lone Star State this week. And that could bring on the spring weeds. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The ranking member on the Senate Agriculture Committee comments on the progress of the 2023 Farm Bill process. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag today. For farmers dealing with drought conditions, pre-watering their fields ahead of spring planting can be helpful, but there can also be drawbacks. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Much of Texas has rain in the forecast for the next several days and Mother Nature is cranking up the heat with 90 degree temps hitting our state. If you're trying to take a wheat crop to grain, agronomist John Fenderson with Westbred Wheat says you need to get ahead of any weeds that will flourish in these warm temperatures and wet conditions. Certainly, if you're taking some of this wheat to harvest, looks like harvest may be slightly later. However, we do have some really warm weather on the forecast. But if you have had some late rain, weeds can start to be an issue. Things like uh, kochia and pigweeds. You may need to think about making an application of a herbicide. If you use something like glyphosate or Roundup product, be aware that you cannot save that seed for uh, replanting. That's going to hurt your germination. You're okay for marketing, but it won't hurt your germination. Fenderson says a lot of wheat growers may want to consider cutting the crop for forage this year, with so many cattlemen in need of hay. Texas leads the nation in organic peanut production. Texas peanut growers plant about 20,000 acres of organic peanuts each year. Both consumer demand and prices are high, with organic peanuts selling for nearly three times the price of conventional peanuts. Texas farmers also plant between 70 and 100,000 acres of organic cotton, making for a good rotation between the cotton and peanuts. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is seeking more funding for the foot and mouth disease vaccine bank in the next farm bill. Allison Riviera, NCBA Director of Government Affairs, explains. 
We did create this bank so that down the road, if for our port friends, if there's an ASF vaccine and they want it in there, then we can find some dollars and, and pop it in there. But with this vaccine bank, we did get a little bit of funding last time around. We'd like to see some more funding. The amount of money that we've asked for last time and that we're asking for again this time is based off a study out of Iowa State from our friend, Dr. Roth. So this go around, we are again asking for more of those dollars so that we can make sure that we have enough antigen and that our bank is robust. Riviera says funding from the 2018 Farm Bill is also helping states to prepare for disease outbreaks. Things like NADPREP have allowed for states uh, to apply for grants to be better prepared in the um, case of a foreign animal disease outbreak. So the Cure Beef Supply Plan is another great show of those resources, of those government dollars that are going towards better preparing our states to work together in the case of a foreign animal disease outbreak. Riviera says outbreaks of foot and mouth disease have already occurred off the coast of Australia and Indonesia, so it is important to be prepared here in the U.S. The Senate Agriculture Committee is working hard on the 2023 Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti has more from Washington. I am in Washington where I caught up with Arkansas Senator John Bozeman. He is the ranking member on the Senate Agriculture Committee. And Mr. Bozeman, give us an update on where the Farm Bill is at this point and uh, what the committee is doing to rewrite that Farm Bill for 2023. Well, we're really working hard to get this done, and it's so important. You know, the, the world has changed so much, even in the last couple years, particularly in the last five years. So we're in the process of holding hearings. We're having uh, people come from all over the country to Washington to tell us what we need to be doing. We're doing listening tours throughout the, the country, talking to producers in, in various states. Farm bills aren't about Republicans and Democrats. It's more regions of the country. Southern agriculture is different than the eyes, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana. Great Plains are different, California. And then various commodities, you know, making sure that we take care of everyone. Corn, rice, or especially crops, the list goes on and on. So it's it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's, it's working together. And I believe very, very strongly that the answer to whatever glitches are in there need to come from the ground up. I believe very strongly that, that we simply have to make sure that the reference prices, ARC PLC, crop insurance, the safety nets, make sure that we update those uh, the data where those current prices came from is 2012. The world's very different now. So we've got to update those. That is Senator John Bozeman from Arkansas. He is the ranking member on the U.S. Senate Agriculture Committee. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Pre-watering fields for spring planting can be helpful in areas still dealing with drought. But James Hunt tells us there can also be drawbacks. The rains we've received around the Texas High Plains the past couple weeks have been very encouraging, and in some cases even what could be considered abundant. But Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says, except perhaps in fields where farmers were pre-watering back in the winter and early spring, we still have a subsoil moisture issue around the region. Even with the rains, many fields, what we will see is that the surface will be wet and then we'll have a dry layer, you know, if we do get to any subsoil moisture. And so that becomes very challenging for summer crop production because roots are not going to grow through dry soil to reach deeper moisture if there is any deeper moisture. 
And so that is one of the reasons why producers are pre-irrigating. They want to make sure they have a uniformly wet profile. But even though there are benefits to pre-irrigation, Dr. Bell says there can also be drawbacks. One of the challenges that we've seen with this recent rainfall and pre-irrigation is that the pre-irrigation can actually reduce the efficiency of the rainfall event, meaning that the producer has irrigated to a point where they have filled their soil moisture profile and there is no more room for any more moisture. So that rainfall just runs off the field. Dr. Bell says it would be better if farmers can avoid completely filling the profile when they pre-irrigate, but... As we consider the drought, the variability in our rainfall, the forecasts that just do not look favorable, it's really hard for a producer to also plan on a timely rainfall event that's going to help fill these soil moisture profiles going into the summer. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now go to Central Texas to visit with McLennan County agent Dr. Shane McClellan. And Shane, I hear you've seen some severe spring storms come through your area of Central Texas. Really did, and we were all welcome for the rain. I've kind of been talking to different producers that keep saying those that are getting rain are getting some hail and wind damage. We haven't been getting rain, so we haven't been getting that damage. Well, we did get some damage in McLennan County in this last storm. Mostly worried about our, our crop out in the cornfield in that China Spring area. It's got a local damage in small areas, and it went across a strip. It went through part of Waco, then it went east toward like Hallsburg through McLennan County. Some corn was damaged to the point I'm not sure that it'll be able to grow out of the damage. A lot of corn, Crawford, McGregor on down to Moody had some damage, but a lot of that corn is putting on new leaves, and hopefully it'll outgrow it. It might have a 2 to 5% yield loss, but most of our corn did escape the hill damage. Same thing for wheat. We've seen some wheat that had a little bit of damage. If it was in that China Spring area, then it might have got a little bit more damage. But most of the wheat is to a stage now where, of course, it's not going to outgrow it as we're nearing harvest. Some producers have been surprised as they look at their wheat and what they think is hail damage from what we call lodging. And wheat stalk is, is falling over or broke. You know, it's actually Hessian fly damage. Hessian fly, of course, is a, is a insect that will lay an egg in that stalk and the people will grow and eat on the inside of that wheat stalk and damaging the stalk, making it weak. And of course, there's less yield potential and you got a big Hessian fly infestation. And Shane, I understand that was some pretty big hail. You know, all of it that I personally saw was from a marble size up to baseball. Town of Spring area was really bad. Hardest of the housing division where windows on that northern side of the home were, were all knocked out by the hail. A lot of roof damage. The hail there was a my house buried in size, but there was a lot of baseball size hail coming down very hard uh, at a 45 degree angle. And that was the hail that did a lot of the damage that beat the crops up was that big hail. I didn't have as much at my house. As they did at China Spring area, at my house, it was a little more spread out. Less actual hail, but it was enough to, of course, do some damage to some roofs and also some crops and well, just all across the county. That's Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco. Early bird registration is already underway for the 2023 Banded Bird Challenge. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details on that and a recap of the 2022 challenge coming up on Texas Ag today. And spring forage can usually supply the energy and protein requirements for beef cattle. But what about vitamins and minerals? Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Grass planting season begins across the country. The American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Spring forage can usually supply the energy and protein requirements for beef cattle. But Dr. Bob Judd says vitamin and mineral supplementation may be needed. The Beef Cattle Institute at Kansas State indicates that although most cattle producers provide free choice minerals to grazing cows, it is a concern that cows will not consume the amount of mineral they need. Although it was previously believed that cows would consume mineral if they needed it, we now know that's not the case. Salt is a driving factor affecting mineral intake, and if cows are consuming large amounts of salt in the forage, they will decrease their intake of high-salt mineral. So adjusting the amount of salt is the best method to regulate intake. Cattle also need clean water, as mineral supplements generally have a high-salt content, and cattle will want water after consuming the mineral. For this reason, placing mineral feeders adjacent to a water source is a good idea to increase consumption. The form of mineral is a limiting factor on consumption as mineral blocks decrease consumption significantly compared to loose mineral. Blocks are a good option if you want to limit mineral consumption, but if you're concerned the cattle are not getting enough mineral, loose mineral is the better option. The best option to get the most mineral in the cattle is by feeding mineral tubs that also have added protein and sugars, but cattle may even overconsume the mineral. It has been shown that individual cows do not consume the same amount of mineral, and in a recent study by the United States Department of Agriculture, there was a threefold difference in mineral intake among cows in the herd. Join me on our next program when I will discuss the other factors with mineral feeding, and that is the quality of the mineral. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Early bird registration is already underway for the 2023 Banded Bird Challenge. Jessica Domel has more on the program in today's Wildlife Report. For the past several years, the Texas Dove Hunters Association has asked hunters who harvest an invasive Eurasian collared dove with an orange band on it to report its location for a chance at winning one of several great prizes. It's all part of a research study called the Banded Bird Challenge. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the Dove Hunters Association, joins us with a recap of the 2022 challenge. It was a very different year. Last season was great from the standpoint that we had a record number of entries, which is super rare. Each year we keep seeming to get bigger and bigger. But the odd thing this past year, which I don't think any hunter will ever will actually find this strange, but we had a fewer number of total birds turned in. We normally have about 60 birds. Last year, we had 30. Of those 30, we had only 10 prize winners, so people that were actually entered in the contest. So these numbers were down, but nothing changed. We still released the same number of birds, 800 birds, all over the state. And of course, birds that have been released prior to this year, those bands do not expire. So they're still out there. 
So we actually had more bands available than any year, yet fewer turned in. We kind of account this to what actually has been going on or went on all over the state last year, and that is the drought kept so many hunters out of the field because the birds just weren't there. Outfitters were canceling hunts before opening day. The birds just weren't there, and then, of course, it rained really hard opening weekend, as it usually does. Early bird registration is underway for the 2023 Banded Bird Challenge. You can register on the Texas Dove Hunters Association website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattle and wheat both finished higher to kick off the trading day Monday, but cotton finished lower. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex closed higher to start the trading week on Monday. We finished higher in both live and feeder cattle. June live cattle up 50 cents, 162.42. The August up 57 at 160.07, while October live cattle were up 55 cents, 164.12. Same thing on the feeder contracts. May feeders up 90 cents, 203.42. August up $1.67, 223.10. With September feeder cattle up $1.60, 226.65. Cash fed cattle market quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle mostly at 172 here in Texas. That's a buck lower than the previous week. Boxed beef prices lower on Monday. Choice down 81 cents, 308.38. Select down a dollar eighty-seven at two eighty-six twenty-nine. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry, my guest. They sold cattle in San Angelo at Producers in Cargyle Thursday. Jody, how did it go? Right at nine hundred head today, compared to over a thousand last week. Compared to the last week's sale, calling these kids firm to five dollars higher. Uh, strong demand, especially on those choice offerings of wean and vaccinated kids we had there today. Slaughter cows and bulls sold about steady. Not enough replacement cows on offer for a market comparison on those. Better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds from one seventy-five all the way up to a high of two seventy-five. Actually, had one set of four weight steers weaned and vaccinated that brought 284.50 mostly in that weight range though from 190 to 235 six to 800 pound steers 155 to a high of 220 mostly 175 to two dollars heifer calves better quality heifer calves four to six hundred pounds 160 all the way up to a high of 230 mostly 180 to 210 slaughtered cows average to high yielding 71 to 91 some of those highest yielding slaughtered cows 92 to 98 thinner or lower yielding type cows not that many of those today from 55 to 70 Slaughter bulls average to high yielding, 85 to 107. Several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls, 108, all the way to a high of 121. And no test on the bread cows and pears. What do we got coming next week? Well, a two-day sheep and goat sale. Uh, I don't see that happening again, but I've been wrong two weeks in a row. They they keep coming. Uh, if it would just rain for somebody between now and Monday, 
uh, may slow it down a little bit, but may not either. You know, I'd say six to 7,000 head. I look for the cattle numbers uh, to be lighter. I'd say somewhere in the range of 800 to 850 head uh, next Thursday. Jody Fry, producers in Cargyle, uh, sheep and goats, Tuesday, cattle Thursday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of it. You bet. Office number is 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be 234-7895. Baber, you've been listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and Texas Ag Today. Let's head back over to the futures trade now where lean hogs finished mixed on Monday. The nearby May was up 10 cents at 75.62. June hogs down 47 at 83.30. Class 3 milk was mixed. May milk down 13 cents, 16.44 a hundredweight. June milk up 5 at 17.04 a hundred. Cotton market closed slightly lower. We do have rain in the forecast for West Texas over the next several days. However, the current U.S. drought monitor continues to show a worsening condition of drought for West Texas and the Southwest. July cotton dropped 60 points Monday to close at 83.30. The October down 17 at 83.35. December cotton down 24 points at 83 cents even. A mixed close in the corn market with the May contract up three and a quarter, 656 and a half. July corn unchanged, 596 and a half, while new crop September corn dropped four and a quarter at 532 and three quarters. The wheat market finished mixed with hard wheat climbing higher while soft wheat dropped lower. Of course, we continue to get rain across the Great Plains. That was blamed for the big dollar or so drop in the wheat market over the last couple of weeks. However, it looks like hard red winter wheat traders may be starting to realize that this is too little too late for a lot of this hard red winter wheat crop. Also, some important developments coming up this week. On Friday, USDA will provide its first survey-based estimates of the winter wheat production here in 2023. And we've got the 2023 Hard Winter Wheat Quality Tour coming up here in just another week or so. July, Kansas City wheat up 11 and a quarter on Monday, 844 and a quarter. While July, Chicago wheat dropped 6 and a quarter, 654 a bushel. In the energy markets, June natural gas was up 10 cents at 2.23. June West Texas crude up $1.61 at 72.95 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow down 66 points, 33,608. The Nasdaq up 14 at 12,249. The S&P unchanged at 4,136. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.